0: Shabbos, Parshas Vayikra, a new Sefer, talking about ways of avoidus Hashem, Korbonos. But it coincides with something that's known as Shabbos Zocher. Now Shabbos Zocher, it's such a... It's the only, according to some opinions, it's the only time when the Kriyas Torah is the Of course, we have the Parshas Parashita, but in general, Shabbos Zocher, that's the We have to read this. From a safer Torah. The question is why? Why do we make such a fuss about reading Parshah Zachar? And Misa, people ask me, hey, you know what? Didn't they say, B'nai B'nai Shalhamma Lamdu Torah, B'nai Brach? What do we have to get rid of? A We even have some people that came out of a that amounted to something. Some people say who it was. I'm not going to get into that. But what's the story? why do we make such a fuss about mikhail HaMolek? and imagine if we are we're in the army at that time and we have to go into a town and kill men women and children i mean like we we're, we're seeing what's going on in the world now in, in in russia ukraine unbelievable savagery and and that's not even going you know hand hand combat imagine that having to do this you know we it's not like you shoot from afar a missile and it doesn't hurt you as much because you don't see the pleading eyes and, and, and the people crying and, and, you know, dying, being killed. So what, what is this about? It's so antithetical to the Jewish approach to be so violent and destructive. So the simple pshat is because they want to destroy us. So you, 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 uh, you know, you treat them with their own medicine. That's shot. Pshat. Now, of course, we're not at the crow. We don't say that we know the reasons why Hashem does things. He tells us that it has to be done. That's what we do, even if we don't understand it, per se. But there is something that there has to be some kind of mashalim that we could understand to kind of feel some kind of rationale why it has to be this way. I want to say a story that's a very famous story. And it's from the times of the Rizal, and hopefully we'll get to a, a certain Nakuda that I think might be very important to understanding our our question. Way back in the times of the Rizal, in the fifteen fifties, in fifteen sixties, in Tzfat, when he was writing in Tzfat, and it's not so long after the. You know, expulsion from Spain in the 1490s, right? So people, 60, 70 years later, the children, some of them may have been alive from the time of the expulsion, but there, a lot of them, Anusim, had come and settled in Eretz And there was this young, a small, a young couple, of, a young family, and uh, a very strange thing happened. The rub of that shul, wasn't the Ariza, the rub of that shul Gave a whole drasha and said how Karsh you know, we just talked about in Truma Tetzave and, and about the Avoda and the Mishkan, about how they would put bread on the on the Shulchan and the base of Mikdash in you know, the in the Mishkan and how that bread was so desired by Karsh And it was the dearest thing and they had to sift it thirteen times and till so it was the finest, finest baked bread. Possible and it would stay fresh the whole week. Now, this young Anus uh, person who has survived or, or children of somebody who survived the expulsion from Spain, he heard about this and he was so inspired. He was so excited. He went home and he told his wife, you know, I don't know if her name was, you know, some Spanish name. He says, We gotta do this, we gotta make this bread. Now, unfortunately, he didn't realize there's no Beis hamidrash. He understood, he thought it was a Beis HaMidrash. So that Thursday night, or Thursday, his wife sifted the flour 13 times and baked it to, to perfection. And he came in the middle of the night, at 2 in the morning, late Thursday night, early Friday morning, and he went to the shul, and he went over to the Iron Kodesh, and he said, Hashem, the rabbi said that you... You were longing for the, this bread. We baked twelve bread, twelve little bilkalach for you, or loaves. Please accept this as an as our offer. And he put it in the iron Kodesh next to the Sefer Torah. Now, it just so happened that, uh, and that Shabbos he came to Shul, and when they opened up the Iron Kodesh, he saw that the bread was missing. The challahs were gone. And he said, thank you, Hashem. And he looked up over to the women's section and he said, like, you know, it's gone. Hashem took it. He's so excited. They're so happy. And they went home and they had their Suda Shabbos, like, mamish on the next level. And this happened week after week. One night, the Rav of the Shul was late in the Shul, in the middle of the night, and he noticed the door opening and he saw this guy come in with a bag, and he, it wasn't plastic, it was like burlap or something, whatever it was, and he puts this thing in the Iron Kodesh, and he's like, what's going on here? And then, you know, he didn't want to startle anybody, he, he, you know, and like, uh, he went back to his learning, and then a, another hour later, like uh, an hour before Nate, the Gabbai comes in, and the Gabbai goes to the iron Kodesh, and he opens it up, and he's, Thank you, Hashem. And he takes the, the chalas out of the Iron Kodesh and he puts it by his, his place and he gets the shul ready for chakras. The rabbi is like, this is very strange. So the next Thursday night he waited for our Spanish friend and he saw him, put the things in there and he, the guy was davening, Hashem, thank you for accepting our, our sacrifice every week. We brought you again and we're so glad that we're able to give you such nachas. And the rabbi's sitting there like, oh my gosh, what's this guy? <laughs> and he goes and he says, excuse me, Jorge, George, whatever his name was, you know, from Spain. Uh, what do you think you're doing? And he said, well, I'm bringing... The rabbi gave a speech a few months ago about how much Hashem desires to have the lechem upon him. And we decided we're going to do it. And we sift it 13 times and we make sure it's baked to perfection and we bring it here every Friday, Thursday night and Rebbe, you'll see that on Shabbos it's going to be gone. And the Rebbe's like, um, George, let me explain something to you. And he says, come wait with me. And they waited in the women's section and sure enough, an hour later, in walked the by He opened the iron Kodesh and he said, Hashem... Thank you so much for giving me bread for Shabbos. And he takes the bread and puts it in his nearest tender and gets the shul ready. The rabbi looks at George and says, George, God's not taking it. The rabbi's taking it. You know, you can't do this. This, this is a Zion to the Torah to put bread in there. There could be, rats could come in there and smell the food and they could eat up the Sefer Torah. You cannot do this anymore. The guy, George, is like, okay, Rabbi, all right. And, of course, that child, that night, I guess he went home told, told his wife, we can't do this anymore, and it was really being taken by the Gabbi all along, and all right, that's it, it's over. Now, it seems to be that that Motei Shabbos, the Arizal, summons this Rabbi to his house. And the rabbi comes, the Rizal's calling him, he comes, yes, holy Ra- rabbi, what can I do for the, the Ariya Kadosh? And the Rizal says, do you have a will? And he didn't say, do you have a way? But he says, uh, no, I mean, he says, write up a will tonight, because by the morning you probably won't be in this world anymore. And he's like, Rabbi, like, what happened? How did this? What did I do? What, why is this happening to me? And he explained to him that Hashem, from Shemayim, they gave the Arizal this message that you, the rabbi of that shul, has robbed Hashem of his most dear sacrifice since the times of the Mikdesh. You robbed him. Because of that, you're going to leave this world. Now, there's dif- different versions. Both well, is there a way to do tshuva? We'll take the... One, one. Uh, the, the nice version is that you have to teach this guy all the halachas and make him a firm Jew and teach him Torah, and maybe that will be a tikkun, whatever way the story really ends. But I always thought the nikuda is that Hashem was robbed of this nachas. So that, of course, is the the standard understanding. But let me tell you like this: we well, have to destroy a malk. We have to wipe them off the earth. Like, what did they do to us? They attacked. And and like the Egyptians didn't destroy us in Egypt? And, the you know, all the other nations that attacked us throughout the generations, they didn't try to destroy us? What is so unique about Amalek? That we have to eradicate them. For every last vestige. Unless, of course, they converted. okay, But... How does this work? So I was thinking, Rav was saying last night, he was saying, you know what the problem with a Mulik is? He said, the problem with the Moloch is what we read about in this, in the Sefer Torah, it says, Asher Korcha they cooled you down. Now, the Pashat Pshat is, they cooled us down in the eyes of the world. There was a Chazal give us this example that we were in a Mbatir Otachas with this boiling hot mikvah that everybody's afraid to walk in. And this guy jumps in and everybody realizes, oh, okay, he, he, if he could go in, we could go in. And therefore, that's the Pashat Pshat. But it seems to be that there's a deeper level. Asher kocha that we got cooled down. That we realized that we're not so high and mighty, we're not so special in God's eyes that we we're vulnerable. And Gamliel says the way we have to fight that is to eradicate that coldness that we're doing mitzvahs without, yeah, oh, what does it really matter what I do? You know, I'm I'm really worthless anyways, I'm a nothing, I'm a nobody, right? There's this the 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 and people think this is what Baruch Hu wants. The, the Musr's Farm say, are we're, we're, what are we? We're nothing. We're a of We're dust and dirt. We're, we're garnished. But you can't be that much. Even Moshe Rabbeinu, who said, V'nachnuma, what are we? Understood that if you compare yourself to Kosh Baruch Hu, we're nothing. But we have to value who Hashem made us. I have to appreciate. And, and approach our votes Hashem with the Hislavus, with the excitement to serve Baruch Hu. That Baruch Hu wants us to, to, not just to go through the motions, okay, yeah, and I buy everything the most Mahudr and I, you know, learn in the best yeshivas and my kids go to the best schools and everything's the best, the best, the best, but if I, in the Shama is not excited about it, that's the, Mida of a malik that needs to be eradicated. We have to get rid of that coldness, that lackadaisical feeling, that feeling that that fellow felt when that rabbi told him, oh, that's not really a mitzvah. <laughs> that's nothing. You're, you're as If I cared, you're doing a bizayon. Now, of course, it doesn't mean we should act in an ignorant way and try to serve Hashem without learning and without studying because... Ignorance is not the the goal of serving a kodesh baruch but maybe recognizing, you know what? No matter what I think I know about Hashem and Torah, I know nothing. But what I do know, I got to use to serve a kodesh baruch and I got to serve him with a, an excitement and this feeling of how privileged I am, what a merit I have to be able to be a yid. There are other people that are born in this world that don't have that merit. i got to feel excited what a schuss it is to be born into Klal Yisrael. Shabbat Zochor is that time we got to go to the shul and be excited. Excited that we can learn the Torah. The Torah is what gives us that koach to beat a malik. It's, it's not, you know, we have schmoozin and inspiration that are supposed to give us that initial spark to get us excited. But the thing that keeps the fire going is the Torah learning that you do. And that learning the Torah that deepens the excitement and makes the excitement much more meaningful and, and, and grows and expands our Avodah Hashem. Hashem should bless us all. Never to be cooled down in our avodas Hashem, and never to let anybody who tries to cool us down, not to listen to them. We gotta eradicate from our avoda anything that will make us feel that we don't matter, and that our avoda is not really important. Everything is important. Even Charbone that what did he say? Oh, there's the tree that Haman made for Mordechai. We sing about him every year. <laughs> Who was he? There's a Titan in that, but then everything we do matters. My Rebbe from high school, Sholem Tendler, he should be healthy and well, had told us that there's a special halacha about a Megillah. That usually with every Megillah, you have to have a blank column at the beginning and then you write all the columns, and each piece of parchment should have at least three columns, and one blank parchment at the beginning in order to, like, co- cover the Megillah, the writing of the Megillah. But by Megillah's Esther, there also has to be a blank column at the end. And he told us that the Mesorah is, that that blank column, when Mashiach comes, is gonna be filled in with the story of how that final geula came to came to be. And if charvoinah could be mentioned in the Megillah for just doing something small to point out and that his name is immortalized forever and ever, who knows what we do, what any one of us could be doing, our names could be there. Your name could be that name that we're going to be singing about in the time of the future. Okay, it doesn't mean that everything is about you, right? There's Mordechai and Esther and Daniel and all the other people in the in the whole Purim story. But we will never be forgotten. Kol She'baruch will help us remember that we're never going to be forgotten. We live our lives that way, and it will be bring us closer to the BS Gold Tzedek, hey, Rabbi, Ameinu, Amen!